0: Hey, welcome to the Rona Morrell podcast. So do you ever feel like screaming out in the office on Zoom or outside the school gates for the love of God? Come on, really? Then if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morrell. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but with a fun and unique British style sarcasm tenacity or maybe a few swear words or tears this podcast keeps it real honest raw and removes the bullshit in the only way i know how through authenticity and getting shit done think of it less like the housewives of new york or tally with the lipo and drama and more like the house lives of the real world i hope you'll take something away to be better informed laugh, smile, or maybe even finally getting the confidence to shout, come on really. So enjoy.
1: Hey, hi dear, and welcome to the Rona Morale podcast. How are you today?
2: Hello, Rona. I'm uh, I'm okay, actually. I've been uh, enjoying a uh, spot of Yorkshire sunshine in God's own county.
1: Oh, fabulous. We've had a bit of a hit and miss day today, but yeah, it's still, sun's still shining, so that's great. So listen to all the listeners out there, I have the absolute pleasure to introduce um, James May, our, I know him as Jim, and we first met back in 2000 when I started on my journey. I moved down to London and started at Red Bull, um, and then over the years, um, I guess I've always been known to be a little bit or a lot tenacious, and Jim absolutely um, is one hell of a tenacious person. I was going to say son of a bitch, but no, person. And in 2004, when we were actually sharing a flat in Wandsworth in London, Jim decided he was going to set up um, his own business um, called The Rat Race. And that started uh, with just a laptop in a shared flat. And right through now, you manage a global team. And what you really do is you kind of take people from all over the world and get them to do extraordinary things. Um, So it's all around adventure sports and the challenges um, around those. And as you already said, you live in York and you have a a beautiful wife and two delicious children. Um, As I say, today really is about um, the levels of tenacity that you and I have probably gone through. Um, Some that have bit us in the butt and some that haven't. So please share with us a little bit more a little bit more history about the rat race because i think people would want to know about it and then we'll move on to being tenacious
2: yeah okay no, no problem um well like you say i mean rat race was born in in 2004 literally at, at the table at the you know dining room table that we shared in, in a flat in wandsworth um and i remember the, the first I we, we obviously we worked together at red bull before that and, and we were um, exposed to a lot of the red bull kind of marketing cult as I like to call it, um, you know, we were kind of indoctrinated with all these fantastic um, and sort of audacious ideas that, that Red Bull, the, the Red Bull brand was getting us to come up with. And, and it was an absolutely fantastic learning curve at, at Red Bull. And I think that probably, you know, set me on my path to create this, this sort of wacky company that, that I now run. Um, but I guess it, one, one thing that, that you know, we, we learned at Red Bull very, very early on, and we were very good at, was spending money. He's spending other people's money, you know, we were in the marketing team, that was our job. You know, we were exactly, you know, we were meant to spend um budget on 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 you know really really interesting and, and elaborate events and athlete sponsorships and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and as a young lad, you know, or, or a young girl straight out of university, etc., as we were, that, that was fantastic work, and I think it it certainly gave me um it gave me a confidence, you know, in terms of right, we've got this idea. Um, you know, we know it can be done. Let's do it. There was almost nothing that would stand in your way with that sort of thing. Yeah. But equally on the other side, it it didn't really teach, certainly me. It didn't really teach me anything about the kind of the real world life of, of business or or commerce, you know, it was about doing cool stuff. So I kind of had to learn that pretty quickly and and very much the the hard way when I went out on, on my own. Um,
1: But don't don't you think, though, had you had all of that knowledge, but without that, just let's get on and do it and that vision, you probably would have scared yourself and not done it.
2: Yeah, 100 percent. And I think, you know, certainly with with tenacity that there's a fine line, I think, you know, between confidence, um, you know, perhaps belligerence, you know, perhaps some arrogance, you know, the arrogance of youth and and sometimes having humility to say, right, well, you know what? I don't actually know everything about this. Let's learn a little bit more uh, and then go for it. But I think, you know, certainly in those early days of, of setting up rat race and, and very much from the school of, of, of Red Bull, um, I, I very much had the blinkers on. And I think it did help me as much as it hindered me. You know, it, it, like you say, it gave you that, right, you know, let's just do it because it can be done. We know it can be done. And you have all this enthusiasm and sort of confidence of, of youth, but not necessarily all of the backstory. And it is very much a blend because, you know, if you study for too long, if you go down, you know, very, very um, sort of long-term corporate channels, et cetera, you know, very structured education. Sometimes you maybe lose that as well. So I think, you know, kind of as, as, as I've got on in life and got older, not necessarily wiser, you sort of come to, you know, come to think of that blend and say, well, hang on a minute, you know, is it time to stop and think and pause and think about something a bit more, or is it really time just to go for it? Um, and that's, I mean, that's judgment, isn't it? You know, and you're never yeah. necessarily going to get it all right. Um, but having a healthy dose of sort of can do tenacity, trying hard, maybe being a bit stubborn from time to time, has definitely pulled me through, you know, some, yeah. um, some interesting times.
1: So obviously, the business has been going for 60 years, so hugely successful. And um, can you think of some examples where, let park 2020, Let's not talk about yeah. it right now. I definitely um, needed
2: a lot of tenacity to get through this one.
1: But um, yeah. in, the, in the past, where, where you've really dialed up that either stubbornness or tenacity and it's kind of maybe an example where it's worked really well and an example where it might have backfired?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a, 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 lot, a lot of what I do, um, there, there's my story and, and how I've kind of, you know, managed the business and grown it and whatnot. But, but what I see every day in a normal year, granted not this year, um, is is people um, you know struggling with these challenges that were actually setting them. I mean, my, my business Rat Race, you know, we put on these adventure challenges all over the world, um, and it started with an initial event in Edinburgh. Um, you know, there were people running, biking, kayaking, navigating all over the city. Um, it was a very sort of imaginative, innovative format. We kind of took all these adventure sports, you know, out of the wilderness, out of their traditional places, and put them on the streets of the city. Um, and there was TV and there was sponsors. It was all, it was all very cool, but it was very niche. Um, and, and as this business has grown over time, over the last 16 years, you know, the, what I do has actually become more mainstream as well, you know, right. people doing yeah. 5k runs, transitioning to half marathons, transitioning to marathons, sportive riding on bikes, et cetera. And we've managed to kind of harness that growth in adventure sports to the point where now we have, you know, I do call it kind of, you know, ordinary folk, regular folk, you know, like us doing extraordinary things, in places like outer Mongolia and Panama and Namibia and all these sort of places and that's where we t- take people and And the tenacity that I see from these guys you know uh, on a daily basis at these things is is pretty humbling yeah um, I, I guess to boil it down to some examples from from my own sort of um, my, my own stable there was there's, there's this one particular event I'm, I'm very very proud that, that we've that we've sort of brought to the market, we haven't actually run it yet because of COVID. The men have run it for the first time this year. Um, but it takes place in, in Panama and it's it's called the Panama right. coast to coast. Um, no surprises for guessing what it does. It goes from one side of Panama to the <laughs> other, coast to coast. And it's a it's a crossing on foot and, and by what's called a pack raft. It's a little miniature raft that you raft down a river. Um, right. You go from one side of Panama to the other. Um, very, 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 very hard event, uh, very difficult through the jungle, uh, lots of stake. you know, lots of objective danger, snakes, all sorts of stuff. Um, and to put that event together from initial concept to, you know, actually putting it on the ground for a number of people to go and do this. Um, clearly I'm very proud of that, but, but in, in terms of the sort of the, the, the tenacity, I, you know, I, 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 I had to go to Panama. Um, I didn't speak a lot of Spanish. Um, so I taught myself some Spanish, you know, dos cervezas per favor was pretty much about my limit. Um <laughs> and, and I knocked on the door. I, I used my kind of soft event skills that, that I've you know earned over the years and knocked just, you know, literally went and knocked on doors in Panama City um and navigated my way from, you know, quite a few no's, no, we can't help you with this, we're not quite sure what you want to do, not quite sure what you're talking about, to find some guys that could help me. Um and you know, from that initial sort of kernel of an idea, right. I've looked at this map, there's a, you know, there's the isthmus of the Americas here. I think we could go from one side of it to another. And I think yeah. we could take ordinary people and do this. You know, I banged on enough doors where we got to the point where, you know, we went and, and we did what, what we call a recce, a, a test pilot recce, We take a small group of people and we, we try and go and do this on our own. So we went into the jungle with some guides, um, with some, some, we'd sent some, um, I found some people that, that had some kind of local tribal contacts in this area. Yeah, um, and they went in first and they spent a week kind of trying to put together this route through this very very pristine Virgin uh, primary jungle terrain um, And there's no real routings through there, you know pe- people sort of don't go into this area um, And they reported back saying yeah, you know, we think we can do this. So so off I went with a team of people um, and, and we went in um, and the first time we went into this place it, it, it went pretty pear-shaped, you know, we didn't you know, we didn't succeed um, right. in, in our you know in our mission and and often it takes you know several times to get to the point where you will succeed in this thing and you know in that particular one I was very much out of my comfort zone I didn't know a lot about the jungle and clearly I'd surrounded myself with people that, that did um, yeah. but through this sort of you know having knocked on a few doors in Panama City to, to literally being there with a backpack on in the jungle you know still thinking this can work this can work well, it did work. And eventually, you know, we launched that event, you know, having done sort of two, maybe three years of R and D lost in the jungle several times. You know, one of, one of the guys that was on that original test pilot trip, you know, some fairly, some fairly bad heat exhaustion when we're out there. Um, you know, there was some medical issues, etc. cetera. Um, and we launched it and we put it into the market and we sold it out. Um, wow. And that's, you know, for me, that that's, I guess that's an example from my process of where, I kind of know the idea will work. I've just got to stick with it long enough to get to the point where it does work. Um, And
1: and you know, I guess, that actually every time you try and you fail, that's just another part of the learning and you go, okay, right, we need to factor that in and we'll learn. But I guess by the very nature of what you do and the events that you put on, it's not meant to be easy. It's not meant to be just a nice tarmac path (laughs) through the jungle. So I guess that constantly having to keep going no matter what um and not be deflected
2: yeah absolutely um you know it, it isn't meant to be easy and i think you know that that cliche that you know experience is the name we give to our mistakes is cliches are kind of there for a reason you know they, they sort of make sense and, and that one definitely does and, and i think you know if, if you can harness the positives in the negatives in, in, in your life, you know, whether that's business or whatever, yeah. and, and sort of you know, kind of ha- have, have the confidence to say, right, that didn't really go as well as I wanted that time, but I can learn from that and I can then adapt that and do something a little bit different next time. It doesn't mean the whole idea has to fail. It means no, you okay. adapt, you change and you continue.
1: And um, maybe you, you, you mentioned earlier about this kind of two sides of tenacity for you, it's, it's you and your DNA, but it's also about the people that go on these trips and challenges with you. You mentioned about ordinary people. Now, I'm embarrassed to admit I've got you on my podcast and I've never, never done one of your challenges. <laughs> Maybe because I'm shit scared of doing one, but I guess how much of the tenacity of the people keeps you going and, and creating something harder and more challenging and demanding? What, what influence do your clients have on you?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that's really you know why, why I do it I mean you know we're the guys that work at Rat Race myself included you know we're not like you know superhuman ex-special forces soldiers you know ex-Olympians anything like that we're regular regular Joes you know reg, regular punters and I think the lowest common denominator for me is you know if we can go out there and achieve these challenges then so can a very broad cross-section of, of people Um there was Explain one I could I, I'm, I'm, abs- I'm, I'm not saying you could I'm saying you will right? you, you, <laughs> you're coming <laughs> you've laid it down. We should,
1: we should make that a deal, actually. We should say, right, 2021, <laughs> I have to do one of your challenges.
2: All you've got to choose now is jungle, desert, or polar. Which one's it going to be?
1: Oh, my God, desert. No, no. Uh, oh, see, polar, I go polar or jungle.
2: Yeah. See, a, a lot of people say desert because they sort of, oh, it's high. it'd be nice and hot. You know, I can have a cocktail afterwards. But they're all, yeah, they're all pretty... No,
1: I, well, I got married in the desert. Um, oh, as some of my listeners will know, yeah, I, I travelled out to the Sahara Desert um, and, and got married there. Um, and my husband got so drunk that night that um, I was the only one waking up early to watch the sunrise. But...
2: And he's displayed tenacity ever since.
1: <laughs> yeah, cheeky <laughs> sod. But yeah, no, I, I let, let's do
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, re- it really is... Um... It really is a test of, of ordinary people and and I remember this 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 one time I, I was going out to Mongolia we have an, an event out there called the Mongol 100 it, in fact it, it was meant to be this year it was meant to, you know every year sport relief do a challenge yeah uh, this year it was meant to be we were organizing it for sport relief it was meant to be based on our Mongol 100 challenge and of course coronavirus you know stopped play and we actually switched it and we, we did take them to the desert actually we, we took some celebrities to, to the Namibian desert
1: is that now we, that's what I saw you on TV. No, I saw That's that right. didn't
2: I? You did see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I was kind of wrapped up and, and, and fairly well disguised in, in a in a you know crocodile Dundee hat, I think. But um, yeah, that was me on, on TV. Um, but yeah, this um, this Mongol One Hundred event. I mean, it, it's pretty serious stuff. You know, it's it's a hundred mile journey over a frozen lake in the middle of of you know outer Mongolia. Um, it gets down to minus forty seven. It really, really is cold. Um, and participants have the ability to do this on foot, or they can bike it, or they can choose ice skates. They can literally skate the whole end of this lake, 100 miles. One That's meter awesome! It's, it's insane. And I remember being in, in Heathrow the the the, um, the day before we flew out there, and I was I was staying in, in the hotel there, and got up in the morning, and and of course I'm I've always been a fan of a breakfast buffet, as you'll know, <laughs> Rana, <I> <laughs> on on bacon and whatnot, and. Um, and I noticed this guy, and he had, you know, he was, it's a bit of a giveaway when you get to these places, because everyone's got these massive jackets on, you know, just really ridiculous clothes. Yeah. Uh, looked like the Michelin Man, and, and he was standing in the buffet queue, and, and I could tell he was, he was visibly distressed. He was really, really, you know, frankly, you know, shitting himself. Yeah. Uh, and I, I kind of clocked him, and I thought, you're going to Mongolia, you know, clearly the time of day, you know, the flights that were boarding, et cetera. And I went up to him, and I said, um, I said, are you, are you going to Mongolia for Mongo 100? And the, and I didn't reveal, you know, that I was one of the organisers or whatever. He said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, I am. Are you going too?" I said, "Yeah." And he says, I, I've, "I've got to tell you, I, you know, I've, I've had sleepless nights for months about this. I'm, I'm really nervous. I, I you know, I, I, almost got in the car and went home. You know, I, I you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm thinking." Um, and and, and this chap, he was probably in, in his early fifties, and um, and he was, you know, he was despairing of this. I said, "Look, don't, you know, don't worry. Stick with it. You know, get on the plane. You, you'll be absolutely grand." And the journey I saw that man go through, you know, from that point at the, at the breakfast buffet in the yeah. Express at Heathrow, to you know completing this 100 miles across this frozen lake in Outer Mongolia, his whole beard caked in ice, it was absolutely astonishing. It was incredible. Yeah. He had on to do lo- loads more of these challenges, and and the sort of the you know the journey within him himself is is humbling to see that it really is.
1: And that's what I guess sometimes you don't you think of a holiday company or you know, you're doing these challenges. I think that really, what you mentioned it earlier, like it really is anyone can do it. And I'm not saying, like I feel like if I tried something like that and I failed halfway through or something happened medically or whatever, I would still take a massive buzz from it because I got off my arse, I booked it, I trained for it and I'd given it my absolute all. So it must be amazing, like you say, to see that person and then... At what point actually did 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 he clock that you were an organizer? or Did you meet him at the end? Was there any sort of?
2: Well, I I I I, I mean, I, I'm probably told him, you know, later on in that conversation. But I I didn't say, you know, I'm I'm the guy in charge, etc. He probably only realised that when I stood up, you know, at the sort of the the announcement <laughs> when we got there. Um. But often, what I, you know, when I'm doing my own events, you know, I, I like to do my own stunt training. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. When I when I'm sort of taking part in these things, you know, sometimes I will, you know, just you know, kind of hike alongside somebody or, or, or ride alongside them or whatever, and I I'll just start chatting to them, and I won't say who I am and you know that I work mm-hmm. for Rat Race or the company or whatever. I'll just chat to them about their experience and what they're doing, and you know, you get a lot out of people that way. You know, they're just talking to you as another person in the event yeah Um, and you know people tend to open up a lot when they're doing these things there's a kind of a shared solidarity of the trail if you like Um, yeah and when you put yourself in these really out there locations you know people they open up about really profound stuff you know um their own mental health issues their own physical issues their own family issues and it's a real it's a real leveler um whilst the challenge is physical um it's also clearly very very mental and i think that it breaks the barriers down between folk um, and they just end up really kind of, you know, mucking in together and helping each other out.
1: And I think when you're, I I could assume, maybe I am going to find out one day, but I could assume that you've put a lot of trust into that journey and you know it's going to be hard. So you're more open to that rawness. And actually I'm in the middle of a jungle in Panama chatting to this random, I'm never going to see him again. So you just pour your heart out, I guess. And yep. I think for you as a business owner as well, you're going to get so much raw data and emotion and feedback that helps you then, I guess, develop other trips or, you know, know which ones are, are really working for you. How, yeah. many, how many different trips do you do?
2: Um, well, next year, because of the compression of the calendar, obviously we've had to knock everything from this year into touch basically. We've got 45 um, trips at an event. Wow. In a normal year, it's somewhere between 20 and 30. Um, ne- next year, it's 45. So, I'm certainly going to get to know that breakfast buffet at, at Heathrow Airport pretty well. And you um, won't,
1: but you wouldn't normally do all of them, would you? Or would no, you?
2: No, 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 personally, no. I mean, I, I will either be working on those events, perhaps as what we call race director in, in charge of the thing. Um, or I'd perhaps be taking part, you know, in some of our recce events. And, and some of them, yeah, I mean, some of them I, I will sit out, you know, I, I you know, personally, physically can't, can't be away from the family for that length of time. Um, no. But yeah, I'm, I'm at I'm a, most of them. Um, and whether it's, you know, sort of there on point, you know, firing the starting gun, as it were, or, or somewhere behind the scenes, you know, unblocking a portaloo, I'm still, you know, yeah, still at the events doing yeah. something practical because you know, so, get something out of it every time.
1: Yeah, how did you, how did you kind of get involved in UNICEF? Did they, um, I, I work with a few people actually in UNICEF, but, but in sport uh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, sorry. So, do they, did they approach you or were you,
2: did yeah, you they, they approached us. So they'd seen this this event that we've been discussing there, the Monga 100. Um, they'd seen one of our videos on, online. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty photogenic stuff, and um, I, I think they 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 were looking for something to up the ante on, on the kind of the annual sport relief, comic relief challenge that, that they do. Um, and you know, it was a TV production company that got in touch with me, uh, who, who make the program on, on behalf of the BBC. And um, they called me up and and said, look, you know, we we can see this event that you're doing. You know, could you format it? for you know a, a small group of celebrities and i said yeah absolutely you know no problem you like that no <laughs> no,
1: <can't laughs> right.
2: it. no it's not my gig move on <laughs> um and and you know it was yeah it was a very very interesting process that one because we were dealing with the sort of the you know the sort of the, the, phys- the physiology of the event itself but equally there was all these other layers um you know there's the tv output there's the fundraising output you know small yeah. relief, relief it's a huge, huge. fundraising operation um, and clearly the sort of the, the entourage and, and the, the back end that goes with that is quite significant so the event wasn't necessarily about just about you know the seven celebs that came out to do it it was about you know the guy that was there from the one show getting his satellite just right you know to beam it back to six million people um, it was making sure that the fundraising messages were okay and the satellite yeah. working so that they could get the you know the tweets out and whatnot um, and that you know so Louise mentioned could beam you know live back to, to BBC Breakfast and there was a hell of a lot going on. Um, yeah. And with that one, I mean, that, that that absolutely was a case study in tenacity because our plan A was to take, you know, seven celebrities to Mongolia, yeah. uh, you know, in, into conditions that were, you know, pretty much polar, you know, sort of minus 30, that sort of thing. And because of the virus, this was, in, this was meant to be in, uh, in late Feb, you know, Mongolia obviously has a land border with China and it was unfolding clearly, you know, in that part of the world before it was anywhere else, Mongolia sure. locked down super quick, um, absolutely over literally overnight. And and you know we got sort of some 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 intel back from our guys on the ground saying, look, you know this is, you know the place is going to lock down. And we were like, lock down? What? You know, you, you can't do that. You can't lock down the whole country. You know, the how dare you lock moved. down Mongolia? <laughs> how, how little did we know? Um, and also the
1: irony that there was seven, so it's good job it wasn't over here. You'd be like, no, one let has got to go. Exactly, <laughs>
2: That's a good point. Um, So, yeah, so Mongolia locked down, and I remember being in this discussion with, um, um, I don't think he was the deputy director general of the BBC, but it was somebody pretty high up in the BBC. Uh, Lots of people from Comet Relief, uh, the TV production company, we were all in this conference call, and, you know, basically said, look, you know, we we can't go. It's 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 just too much of a risk. We're going to get there, and we're going to get, you know, locked down. We're going to get caught there. Um, So I said, look, you know, we, we do have a plan B here. Um, we could take people from minus 30 to plus 30 and we could take them. Did to... you already
1: have a plan B or were you already, as soon as you knew what was going on in Asia and the border in Mongolia, you thought, I need another plan here. I don't want to lose this.
2: It was pretty much the latter. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's always contingency plans on contingency plans, but, but in this one, it was all about what we can do in Mongolia. Um, and and we, we never really you know, thought that a global pandemic could, you know, shut the thing down to the point where we would have to just look at another part of the world. Um, and the the comment relief team, you know, they were understandably, and the, certainly the TV team, they wanted to look at somewhere else cold. They said, well, you know, can we go to Siberia or can we go to the, the Arctic tundra of northern Quebec um, or Scandinavia? And, and I sort of said, well, well, we can, but we can't turn that on in a week. You know, we, we literally had a week, you know, to turn the, the contingency around. I said, what we can do is we can go to Namibia where we have a very good template. It's in the desert. Clearly, it's not, you know, the same environment, but it's very the way that we would support that event, you know, on the ground is very similar, similar, We've got yeah. a very good operator that can help us. And crucially they can turn it on in a week and there's absolutely no coronavirus there. So, you know, they, they, they sort of had a conf lab and they came back and they said, all right, let's do it. You know, and, they, yeah. and to their credit, they trusted, you know, me to put this thing on in a week. Um, and so we, you know, trained the guns on the Mibia and said, right, you know, check with our guys out there. We're, we're coming. And, um, you know, you guys better be ready. And they pulled God. it massively out the back. Yeah, everybody did. Um, it, it was it was some feat. Um and yeah, you know, seven days later, I think three days later, I was on a plane to Windhoek. Seven days later, you know, we had a helicopter fly in, Frankie Bridge, Grimy, you know, Louise Minchin, Christian Guru Murphy, Judge Rinder, etc. Um it into oh, in, in Riddle, the Namibian desert. It, it was a it was a random selection of people and it was yeah, it was a totally random operation, but it, it worked. It was really, it was great. Um, so, yeah, you know, sticking with it, getting through yeah. it. Because was it
1: Grimmy that didn't quite make it? He he couldn't finish
2: it. That's finish right. He, he, Grimmy got heat exhaustion. Um, that was it, yeah. Yeah he, yeah, he he got pretty unwell on, on day one because of the heat. Um, but
1: I guess that's where, actually, you know, when you talked earlier about being tenacious and, and, and a little bit pig-headed and confident and arrogant, actually, in environments like that, in the world that you work in, there's also a level to know when to back off and when to say, stop, enough, enough, because whether that be impacting your health, your mental health, you've got to know when to stop.
2: Well, that absolutely correct. And, and that's, you know, for, for the individual as well as, you know, the, the team, you know, operating these things. And, and sometimes the individual, you know, you get the blinkers on and you have to manage the individual. You know, you have to sort of second guess what, what the individual is doing. Um, you know, and we, we had some interesting scenarios in that event, you know, having, having turned it around and all um, arrived in Namibia, um, you know, this wouldn't have been seen on the TV programme because this is quite a hard thing to explain on TV. But there was a massive storm. There was a flash flood in the Namib Desert. Now, it doesn't rain at all. Ever. The it's the driest place on earth. Um, And there's a riverbed there and the riverbed was going to be part of our mountain biking journey. It's called the QSEB Riverbed and um, It it hasn't flowed like literally no water in it for 11 years And and we get there and there's this enormous enormous torrential electrical storm in the middle of the desert Like I say they didn't show it on on the TV program because it's it's really difficult to you know if You've got 45 minutes to you know do a program. It's very hard. It's right We're in the driest place on earth and now it's raining so but but this was all kind of going on behind the scenes and you know, as we drove out of camp, you know, the, the following morning, you know, the, the q River Valley was a river. Um, and, and that was, yeah, that, that was a curve, a big, big curveball. Um, so, you know, we had to, we had to cut, we had to can it, we had to can that stage, you know, there's no way we could send people into that environment. And we, we sent some scouts in and, you know, we yeah. what, what it was doing. It was like, no, you know, we just can't do this. Um, and, and, and assessing and knowing when those sort of practical limits are reached, is clearly a big part of my job um and knowing as you say when not to push it as is as important as knowing when yeah. you can push it, you know whether that's in a business way or a professional way or, or whatever
1: but even that i mean going from you know a major major event that you're working with you're going to Mongolia you're not going to Mongolia you've planned it in a week you've gone to Namibia and then it's frigging rains and it hasn't done for 11 years and then you're like well that's part of it I now can't yeah, do yeah. I think that constant ability to be able to think on off, off you know on the spot keep everyone safe and still make a great tv program I mean that must have been a fund you know a huge experience for you and the team
2: it was massive yeah it, it was huge and, and you know pulling all, pulling that off as a collective effort you know everybody kind of working 24 7 to do it it, it you, you know there's a real kind of buzz that, that you get out of doing that um, and at the time sometimes it feels very uncomfortable but yeah. it, it's it's almost it's all, always the case that you know afterwards you sort of look back you know a little bit through rose tinted specs and say oh well, it wasn't that bad was it but you know it, it, even at the time you kind of you know it, it, the sort of the sense of mission is is, is pulling you through um, Yeah, and yeah. i think i don't know you know not to get too profound but a a sort of a, a a, a firm acceptance and belief in the uh, in the philosophy of the Stoics is useful here. It's like you know things do happen. You know shit happens, and you've got to deal with it, and that's just life. Yep. Uh, and being able to get through that with a sort of healthy dose of shrugging the shoulders and say, right, well we've got to, to sort this now, haven't we? That's just part of it, you know. Um, and,
1: and and you know what, I've I've always been a, a massive you know believer of that, and probably hence why we've always got on. And I think. It is that I have just realized that one of the biggest lessons I took from the early days of Red Bull is that whilst everything was wonderful and rosy and, you know, are spending all this money and blah, blah, when things start to get tough, that's when you really learn how to become a better person, an employer, a wife, a husband, whatever it might be. And so you get, like you say, at the time you're like, oh, I can't deal with this. That I'm not sure it's raised tinted glasses when you look back. It's more of a, a confidence that you've you've been through that journey and you've learned. Yeah,
2: definitely being able to lean on those experiences a bit of a crutch and say, well, look, I've been here before. You know, I know how this plays out. I know what I can do to get through it. I think that's you know this sort of sense of digging in. I think that's a real that's a real strength in people when when you see it um, and knowing that you can sort of deploy that um, you know that sort of solidity, that tenacity. Yeah. Um, it's very important, definitely.
1: Yeah, and I guess this year um, has pushed many, many entrepreneurs and business owners like you to the point of having to think differently and create new concepts or, you know, like you clearly have an insane calendar next year. What, why have you chosen to kind of it, it, to, to cram so much into next year? Is it to make up for this year? Is it just because there's so many people
2: wanting to do these? Well, it's a bit of both. I mean, we, we have had to defer a lot of activity into next year. So, you know, we've, we've literally done, well, that, I mean, that, that event that we've just discussed there for sport relief, you know, that was the last event we did. That was in February, literally two, three weeks before UK lockdown. Um, and since then, we haven't done any activity whatsoever. So there's a kind of, there's a necessity for us to defer the activity we were going to do. Um, and, and to forge ahead with new stuff. I mean, we're launching stuff at the moment for 2022, even 2023. And there's, there's no shortage of, of, of desire for people to get out there and do stuff in sort of what I call the kind of the land beyond COVID, COVID quote unquote, whenever that may be. Um, so at the moment, yeah, we, 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 so through necessity, we've had to defer a lot of activity. And yeah. Had we not deferred it, you know, had we just cancelled outright that activity, we'd have been in serious trouble. You know, we went from riding high, you know, BBC One primetime sport relief, you know, at the end of February to know midway through June, literally, you know, sitting in my bedroom, you know, wondering what the hell we were going to do, because all of a sudden we were having to, you know, to fill this activity. So it has been a crisis and, you know, crisis management has been deployed on many levels. And one of the, you know, one of the things that we decided is the activity that we could have done this year we kind of have to do next year, Um, you know. So, yeah, needs must really.
1: Well, you know, and I think at the end of the day, I guess if there was a person listening to this podcast now and they were thinking, oh, I've not heard of the rat race. Oh, I'm I'm kind of up for a challenge. I've had a pretty shit year. Is it really for anybody, any age, any ability?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we have what I sort of call a... I mean, we've got a portfolio of events. You know, it's not all in, in, in Mongolia. I mean, we do stuff, you know, from central London to outer Mongolia. Um, and, you know, we've got stuff that's sort of 10K in length. We've got stuff that's kind of introductory mountain biking or running or, or trekking. And people tend to sort of, they tend to, you know, keep going up. through this, this pyramid of progression. You know, they, they, they're going, I wouldn't say perpetually more extreme. That's the wrong word, but they're pushing themselves more. So, you know, they might do an event with us that's, that's a one-day event in Cornwall. And we've got you know, a fantastic event down there, for example, at Land's End, where people are sort of running along the coast and jumping in the sea and doing loads of cool stuff. And they might think, wow, that was brilliant. I've just done 20 miles with my mates. I've had a beer afterwards, I've camped. And all of a sudden they're looking at our calendar or, or you know other things in the space, you know? And they're saying, well, oh, okay, in a couple of years, you know, maybe I could do that thing in Mongolia, or maybe I could do that thing that Grimmy did, you know, in, in Namibia. And they start to sort of to trade up, you know, through the, through the levels, they get more confidence. And, and i see this a lot you know a lot of people have met us and, and our organization from having started with park run for example you know a, yeah. a 5k timed, you know free run around the park or, or race for life you know where where you know the cancer research uk race for life and these are what i sort of call gateway drugs you know to <laughs> you know to to, to to our world of adventure and challenge and getting in at some level and then just progressing you get that confidence you want to do something more and for us you know, once you start going to these destinations, you know we find that people just can't get enough. You know, they they love it. Yeah. They know they've got them in, in themselves, and they just love going to places that are just you know off grid.
1: And I guess when you're doing something quite so raw and challenging, you you your clients, I guess, are are, are are making friends for life in a lot of instances as
2: well. And yeah, absolutely. You know, they're getting so much more out of this than just the physical challenge. Um, and again, to take it back to sort of us, you know, the company behind it you know, again, we're, we're regular Joes, you know, we're not, we're not creating what I would call a suffer fest, you know, we don't want people to come and do these things and just fail and just say, oh my God, yeah. that's I don't want to do that again. We want to make sure they look around and they see the scenery and they feel a sense of achievement, um you know, sort of sense yeah. sense, sense of pride in having done this, not just to destroy them. Um And I think that's, you know, there's a lot of that sort of stuff in, in, in the industry that I work in, stuff that's could, hard for the sake of being hard and that's not really us you know
1: no but if you could take a celebrity and make them suffer who would it be
2: <laughs> oh my god um i could take a celebrity and make them suffer um well, I, well i've got i got to try not to, not to be too controversial political here no <laughs> you can um uh well i, th- I think i think any if anybody spending a week with me in the desert's going to suffer um Oh, you put me on the spot now. Who would it be? Um, I would have to say Elton John. Okay. Because I, well, I am meant to go and see Elton this year, actually. Um, obviously, that, that's been kicked into touch. I, I think someone like Elton John would be, he'd be fascinating because I, I think he'd come to it with a really, with a really pre-formed conception of this. He, he just would not, he's a, he's a good example of somebody that I just don't think would, be into it i don't think you'd get it etc and and because he's so tenacious you know he's had an incredible career etc he might just be the sort of person that flips the switch and say you know what i am going to throw myself all in on this yeah uh, well, he's been you know, a mega performer etc etc as soon as he a, a little bit like when when eddie Izzard, i don't know if you remember eddie Izzard did like 50 i think it uh, was 50 marathons on the trot and you're like, how's that guy done that? That's
1: inhumane. Like, I honestly don't know how the the human body can do that. But then you realise, you
2: you can. You can exactly. And 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 you sort of think, well, if Eddie is, I can. I can. And that's what I'm saying with Elton. I think, like, you know, if, El- if Elton laid it down, and, and we were <laughs> to to it, um, I think it would be. I think it'd be pretty strong. Okay. So if
1: down. anybody knows Elton John, or you have to be <laughs> listening. Jim has set down the challenge and I guess, I guess another area that must have been frustrating when you do something like sport relief in February and you get you know huge awareness I know it was all about sport relief but people are going to want to know oh, this trip and they find out about you you then got this opportunity of a huge growth in terms of demand and interest and then we, we shut down yeah. did that happen?
2: Yeah, I, I think in a normal year, it would have been a massive boost for us. But, you know, like you say, literally the week we got back on the Monday, it was like, oh, my God, you know, it's here in the UK now. It's here already. But, you know, we, we, we're talking about, every, you know, the, the whole discussion has moved to COVID. You know, um, you know we've got to go dark. You know, we've we, we just got to, you know, yeah. batten down the hatches. And, and all of a sudden, that whole PR machine that we could have harnessed is just gone. It, it's just, it's evaporated, um, you know, and the world's moved on. So I think, yeah, that, that's gutting. But equally, again, you've got to shrug your shoulders and say, well, it is what it is. You know, people have had, you know, m- much harder, you know, yeah. kind of knocks in this thing than, than that. You know, we've taken what could have been a real positive and we've just not been able to harness it commercially yeah. for the business. And there'll be a day when we can come back and we can do that. And, you know, well, I mean, I, I was with a doctor the other day. I was I was doing a, a, me- a medical and. and he saw the logo on my jacket and he was like, he asked me about it. And I said, Yeah, we did, you know, we do these things. You know, we did something recently in Namibia. He was like, Oh, yeah, I saw something in Namibia. There was a load of celebrities in the desert. I said, Yeah, that was us. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I saw that. So it will come back. You know, there'll be a time when we can join the yeah. stuff and, and we can rise again like a phoenix from the flames. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And as part of that, you know, relaunching to, to next year, that content and everything there is still there. And I guess hopefully you had such a great, connection with the guys out there hopefully they'll they'll come knocking again and if i'm sure if nothing else you'll be on the phone to them going are we doing next year what are we doing (laughs) and that's certainly not the sort of thing that you would you would let go but so if there was one trip out of your all of your stuff that you do what one would you say i should try
2: um the one that i say that right what are you into are you into running or biking Do do you like kayaking have you ever done kayaking
1: I've done kayaking. When you ask, am I into running or biking?
2: Let's rephrase
1: that. Can, can you run? Not very well, no. But you've got two legs? I've got two legs. I can ride a bike. And I have tried, a little, I have tried kayaking and done a little bit of white water.
2: So what I would suggest then, I think, is our, um, we've got an event called Scotland Coast to Coast, which again is pretty hill. does what it says on the tin, goes from one yeah. side of Scotland to the other. Um, And it's been in our portfolio for years. We've run this event for probably 12 years. Um, It's a fantastic journey. And it goes from the east coast of Scotland to the west. And it it takes in a lot of the icons of the Scottish Highlands, Loch Ness, uh, um, Corder Castle, you know, where Macbeth used to live. Um, And it's it's a beautiful journey. And it's really doable, what I call doable. It's doable with mates um, or family, friends over a weekend. So day one, uh, you run or trek about 10k down this river okay um, i can do that from the coast and you get to Corder castle where you pick up a bike um, and you cycle about seven, 70k um, on roads on, on good quiet minor roads um frequently into a headwind it is a little bit hilly as you could imagine in scotland
1: now um, hold on a minute when you say a little <laughs> bit hilly that's like a mountain for me well
2: there, there's, a, there's a couple of more hills yeah so <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it, hey, if it wasn't tough, you wouldn't be there, would you? No. Um, so, yeah, that, that takes you into a beautiful place called Fort Augustus at the at the head of Loch Ness. And then you overnight there. Uh, you can camp. There's some lovely hotels, a bit of fish and chips, you know, a few, few calories on board, maybe a couple of sports beers um, to, to put the nutrition on on, on, on the go for the next day. And then you start out on your bike again the next day. Um, right. And you do some, some off-road biking. It's not massively what I would call technical biking. It's all sort of on, on fire trails, Land Rover tracks, et cetera. Okay. And then you're back on the road again on the bike. And then you ditch your bike um, in Fort William, uh, which is towards the west coast of Scotland. And you do quite a big trekking stage. Some people run it, but you don't have to. You can trek it. And, and it's about 20K on foot over what's called the West Highland Way, uh, which is sort of the shoulder of Ben Nevis, you know, UK's highest mountain. Yeah. Um, and that trek brings you down to a stunning lock, Loch Leven, which is a sea lock. It is the West Coast. Wow. And the final bit of this event is a kayak, it's a paddle um, across this lock to finish at this at this amazing hotel um, called the Isles of Glencoe Hotel past the old Clan Macdonald burial islands. And it is very, very evocative way to finish the, the event. And, and that for us is a classic. And, and I, I, I swear anybody can do that event. Um, okay. You know, a little bit of training, turn up, Give it a pop, you'll get through yeah. it, and and that I think perhaps might be your gateway drug runner.
1: Right. Well, I'm going to look it into will. it definitely, and for any of my listeners as well, please do. Um, Jim obviously has been had a hugely successful company for for nearly 20 years now, and you know what you do and the experience that you've brought to it, and and uh, that journey is incredible. So, if anyone wants to check um, the business out, it is www.ratrace.com. Um, and yeah, look, listen, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with me. And as always, it's a pleasure to see you. But thank you for bringing your honesty and, and rawness to, to the chat. And I hope people have taken something away in terms of, you know, that resilience, that tenacity, and, you know, kind of never giving up really. So thank you so much.
2: No problem, rena Nice to be on the
1: show. <laughs> Take care. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Bye.
0: Bye so that's it you've made it the show's over thank you for being with us i hope you've been able to take something away maybe solve a problem or just know you're not alone here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way please feel free to find me on all social media channels and you can subscribe to my youtube channel just search the ronan morale podcast have an awesome day and see you next time